This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, really happy to be with you guys. My favorite thing is people. You know, some people like ideas. Some people like things. I like people. And so, it's really fun to do this. I, I, this career of running around talking to human beings has just been a total blessing. Love, love being with people. For those of us that don't know you, can you introduce yourself? Sure, of course, yeah. My name is Yom Tov. Yom Tov Glazer. And uh, I was born a poor black child in California. And when I say a poor black child, I don't mean like a ghetto American black child. I'm talking like, like African, like Ethiopian, you know, distended belly, swollen skull, and flies everywhere. And poor, I don't mean like, I don't mean like poor, like poor, lacking money. I actually was raised in a mansion in Los Angeles, but I was feeling so poor because I didn't have the richness of a Jewish lifestyle growing up. And now I'm like a, now, let's say, what did I say, a poor black, what did I say? I was, I was born a poor black child, yeah. So now I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rich, white, man. I'm a rich white man. <laughs> Who's my plastic surgeon? Anyway, um, so whatever, a lot of thanks actually to Rav Noach Weinberg of Asia Torah, because I was like their least likely um, candidate. I, I think I was chosen least likely to become observant. Mostly because the amount of psychedelics in my bloodstream could have turned on the entire Middle East. And I had about a hundred of these coming down my back. And the only clothing I had was a, uh, the only clothing I had was, uh, was surf shorts, which washed themselves six to eight hours a day in the ocean. I had, uh, flip flops. I had a tank top with an airbrush mushroom on it and a big amethyst stone. I had a guitar, and and that was all I had. Like I didn't have anything else. That was my Shabbos clothes. That was my weekday clothes. <laughs> I didn't come with clothes, and I didn't know. I never wore anything else, and it had suited me for the last twelve years. Um, later, I found out there's a clothing gemach. So for my second Shabbos, I actually wore proper clothing for the. Uh, and anyway, that's that's where I'm from. Married to a nice lady. We've been married uh, 28 years, and uh, thank God, yeah, it's been amazing. And I know a lot of people know my holy wife Leah, and and she's uh, just such a blessing to me. Total fatal attraction, but but a blessing. I'm her fatal attraction because she's the type of lady who would just like to sit in front of the fire and like stare into each other's eyes. Except she married a man who's like. Who's, I guess my kids could call me Avinu Shabashamayim because I'm in the air every two weeks, uh, flying around the world loving people. And so I was her fatal attraction and she was mine because she's always trying to pull me back home, you know, and, and reeling me in. And you know what? Charismatic guitar playing rabbis don't stay married very long. But when you're married to someone who just doesn't stop reeling you in and reeling you in and reeling you in. So, you could be a charismatic guitar playing rabbi who stays married. That's me. Thanks to her. 
So anyway, that's pretty much the picture. And um, let's go. Uh, what we're going to do here is, I, mean, I know not all of you want to get married quite yet. So, uh, uh, and the reason is because you're not. <laughs> and if you, and if you really want to get married, you might be. By the way, I'm not saying that people who are uh, are single are single by choice, but there are certain moves we can make that would make the difference. And so I'm going to talk about some of those moves. And I'm going to talk about six moves. Six moves you can make that would move you from single to married. Six moves. And, um, sorry, this mic just keeps, like, this thing needs Viagra. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm used to setting up mics. Oh, it's breaking. <laughs> oh, it's just getting lower and lower as it breaks. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Okay. I'll do something better for the Torney time video. <laughs> uh it helps when the speaker is actually a musician. So, I, and, <laughs> I mean, I actually know how to use these things. I wasn't expecting bricks to land on it, though. That's even better. Okay, let's do this, man. Anyway, that last point, which wasn't very nice, is basically that there, there might be something we're getting out of being single. You know, I've met people who got married and are still single. They're married and single. You know what I mean by that? They married someone who would perfectly not relate to them so they could stay single. Because it wasn't cool in the firm world to stay single, so they married someone who would like they'd never relate to. You know, he, they married like a Chinese convert who doesn't speak English. <laughs> so, like, they're married, you know. Just not in a relationship, you know, which is also an option. And I don't understand, I don't understand why people don't get married just for a year or two. Seriously. Like, like, I mean, after a while, the writing's on the wall, you know, if you, if you, let's say you started dating at 20, now you're 30, you're still single. Yeah, get married for a year. You know, it's not like your resume's that much worse being divorced at 31 than single at, mar at 30, you know? And, and, and you know what? There's a chance it'll work, you know? It might even work. So I, I, that part I never understood. Well, why don't people just get married for, you know, a year or two? You know, kosher. I think it's traumatic for people to break up, you know Well, breaking up is hard to do, but, but, you know, at least you were married for a year, you know. And it's good practice. Some people wonder if they'll ever get married. Well, let's say you got married for a year. The answer is yes, you can get married. <laughs> I have a friend who's been married nine times. Nine times. Yeah. Everyone he married, he would say, yeah, this is it. You know, this one's T. Ferris, the number three. <laughs> he, was, he was very Kabbalistic. So when he got to number four, he was like, Netzah. <laughs> I was like, ah, just waiting to meet Hode, I guess. Anyway, I don't know who he's married to now. He's married to Malchus or something. You know? <laughs> anyway, but this guy loves getting married. And he has no issues with getting married. He's gotten married many times. And every time he's very happy. 
Although I've never seen him quite as happy as he is now. And I think he's married to his ninth wife. And they really look like, I think this is it, actually. He's married to them. I think this is the one. Now, um, so all joking aside, with I have a feeling many more to come, the, <laughs> there's a certain amount of tiredness I get where my classes have more like a stand-up effect than a content effect. But let's get busy. So it's six steps. If I had a whiteboard, it, I would write the word happy vertically, H-A-P-P-E-Y, because it's six. And so we had an N-E. And the, next to the H, we would write the word Hashem. Hashem. Why would we write the word Hashem? Because Hashem knows who you're supposed to marry. And since, there, I mean, imagine I knew who you were supposed to marry. And it's like hidden in an envelope. And it's in the, and you know, I'm like, what are you going to give me? You know, I'll open the envelope. What are you going to pay? You know, so God knows who you're supposed to marry. What are you going to pay? What are you going to pay? And guess what? The price is very cheap. You know what it is? Relationship. Relationship with God. You worry about your relationship with God, let God worry about your relationship with people. You worry about your relationship with God. And the biggest proof of this is the, I mean, think about it. Where are we geographically? We're in Yerushalayim. There are more weddings happening between here and B'nai Brak than maybe anywhere on the entire planet. And if you, if you watch the single people, they are, they're like almost paying no attention to dating. No attention. They just get like tapped on the shoulder one day by their mother and they're like, Sarle, you're going to be meeting someone tonight. And she's like, what is that supposed to mean? You're getting engaged. The, so there's like, there's like massive amount of weddings going on in a place with like no dating where no one's doing anything about the dating side. They're only doing the God thing. And they're not really focused at all on dating, which is very interesting. Very interesting that you can like ignore dating and only focus on God. And that seems to speed things up, which is why number one is Hashem. Speed things up by focusing only on Hashem. Now, um, and of, and of course, there's other reasons for this. For example, what if your soulmate is on another continent in some other time zone? And so here you are, like all dolled up, you know, going into Shabbos meals and Nachlod or something, and you're like, you know, like, you're like, maybe this is the night, you know. And meanwhile, your soulmate's like, like in France or something, you know, at the Louvre, you know. Not only are they... Not only are they not in Jerusalem, they're in the Louvre, the Louvre in, on Shabbos. And you're probably not even dating a lady who's at museums Shabbos night. Which means that she's got to like still get her trip to Israel where she freaks out at the hotel and realizes there's a God. You know, and then winds up in some dating pool or something. But if you worry about your relationship with God, God can get her over to that hotel experience much quicker. So you just worry about Hashem. Don't worry about everything else. Now, you should still shower and use deodorant, you know, and you should look presentable for sure because even if your soulmate's on some other continent, the rest of us have to see you. So, you know, do your best to look somewhat normal. And, uh, and but we worry about our relationship with Hashem. Enough said on number one, on Hashem. Don't worry, Hashem's coming back. Number two, 
is the A, and the A is alive. Now, all of you look like you're at least 20 years old, so I'm going to guess that everyone here is going to marry someone who's already alive. <laughs> unless, you're planning, you know, unless you're planning on marrying someone, you know, 35 years younger than you. You know, I have a feeling that was just for whoever's 35 and up. Uh, I have a feeling you're going to be married. You're going to be marrying someone who's already alive. Well, guess what? If they're already alive, you should already have a relationship with them. How do I have a relationship with somebody? I don't even know who it is. And the answer is, well, I don't know. But there's other answers. Like, well, you could pray for them. Did, uh, did you guys pray a little today? And did you give a little prayer for your soulmate? Maybe, maybe your soulmate's a little depressed right now. Maybe they just lost a job right now. Maybe they got a flat tire. Maybe they're stuck in the desert. You know, who knows what's going on with them right now? Well, maybe a little prayer would be nice. And then when you finally meet them, you could say, you know what, I think that's the person I've been praying about. As opposed to praying for. But the person I've been praying about. Another thing, you could be writing them notes, write them letters. You know, they, they, some men have the custom of leaving a little note by their wife's Shabbos candles. There's a custom for men to light the tips of the candles already so that we're kind of, we set up the candles, we light up the tips, like just for a second, blow them out. That way when she lights the candles, first of all, she doesn't have to set them up, they're already set up by, by their man. And, and the other is when they light it, it lights quite quickly because it doesn't have to burn off that initial wax at the tip of the candle. But many men also leave a little note by the candles in appreciation. Maybe with a little something on the Parsha. And, well, what if you started doing that, even though you don't know who you're giving them to? And then when you get married, well, first of all, when you meet her, you might say, hmm, is this the lady that would receive these kind of letters? Is this, is this the recipient? Or I'm looking at this person going, I wrote a lot of little notes, and this is not that person. So it would help you narrow it down quite a bit. The other thing is, if you do get engaged, at the very first Shabbos, you can hand her a whole, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> bag of letters with Divri Torah in them and, and thanking her and appreciation, etc. So that's Alive. Now Alive has two parts. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that. Part one was to develop the relationship. Part two has to do with dignity. Okay, I should, probably should have worn a, like a, a uh, hazmat suit because this class can be a little harsh. I, I apologize. I apologize in advance. If, if I offended anyone tonight, I meant it. <laughs> Just kidding. But I, I have to tell you that people offended me, and then that night I'm like hemming and hawing and tossing and turning, are, are responsible for some of my greatest growth. Because you realize you can't be offended unless it's your issue. You understand, if I called you right now, if I called all of you, you know, if I, let's say I pointed at you and said, you know what you are, you're a befoofstick. Would that really bother you? No, you're like, what the hell is a befoofstick? What's a befoofstick? <laughs> but, you know, but if I called you ugly or if I called you stupid or if I called you lazy or if I called you good for nothing, you'd be like, you bastard. Because the, the only thing that could hurt is something you already believed to begin with. 
So that's why anyone who's ever offended me like, over the years is exactly where I grew, because I realized the only reason I'm so offended is because they, they said something that I truly believe inside. So let's get to number the second point of alive. The second point of alive is, in, is dignity. And you, thank God I'm speaking to a nice, dignified crowd, but I can tell you, I've given this class to, like, per, L, L.A. Persian women. Did I just say that? Yes. Let's ignore that I just said that. <laughs> no, it just is a terrible analogy. It wouldn't make any sense. And by the way, I have given this class to L.A. Persian women, but it's, who cares? It has nothing to do with this, this experience. Dignity. There's a lot of people who say, when I get married, I'll live with, digni- with more dignity than I do as a single person. Like, when I get married, I won't wear that. When I get married, I'm not going there. When I get married, I'm not going to speak that way. When I get married, I'm not going to... But you'll notice that, again, going back to Jerusalem, this is one of the places with you know, the most marriages there can be. And... And everyone's living with the exact same dignity before they get married as they live after they get married. It's not, there's no change in lifestyle. Before the marriage, after the marriage, there's not a change in lifestyle. So if any of you have been involved in undignified behavior, um, one of the ways of expediting meeting your soulmate is to be involved in the same level of dignity that you would expect you to have once you're married. Have that now. Start Live with that now. And then, you know, when it's time to get married, so you'll have the same dignity. You're already, like, well-practiced in living in that level of dignity. Now, I'll tell you the truth that it's... Uh, I want to be really real here. And in being really real, it's, it's so... I never use this as... Say this as part of the class, so I'm, now I just want to be real with you guys. It's... It's very hard to be single over the main dating age of the firm community. Very, very hard. The community is like, it's almost like if I go to one more Shabbos table and hear about about children or weddings or, like, I, I just can't take another, I can't, just can't take it. It's killing me to hear about it. And for this reason, I'm very proud about the Hebra that hang out together. Like you're ever very proud of you guys because you're a family with each other and and being together because because it's like it's it, it, you need to have the you need to have the ever you need to have each other and it's a it's a world of families everywhere and if you haven't gotten married yet so you're, you're just like it's, it's just a disaster I've told people like Haredi Balichuva and even not Balichua, I've told them straight out, take off your black hat. Take off your black hat, take off your black suit. You're done, you are no longer Haredi. Because you're, 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 you're so lonely, this is ridiculous. You know, you can't do this anymore. You need Hebra. Move to the Upper West Side, as a New Yorker, move to the Upper West Side, and get with the Hebra, and have friends, and have camaraderie, have connection. 
have a relationship. And, and I think that more important than this being a singles event is more, what's more important than that is to be a, an event of, of loving connection with one another and to be connected. Now, as you're going to see as we go down the list, it's going to make it impossible to marry one another. But as you may notice, <laughs> a lot of these people you've been seeing around for a few years, the, um, it'll make it impossible to marry one another. However, it will make it, um, it'll make it, you know, it, it can be your family to be together. And, and that's a very beautiful thing. And there's a way around it, by the way. The, the familiarity, that being part of a chevre breeds, that messes up your chance to marry any of them. There is actually a trick. I have a trick. And I'm going to give it to you in a minute. But let's keep moving. Okay? So number one was? Hashem. Oh, I got one good student here. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, what was number one? Hashem. Let's try our lips this time while we say it. Well, number one. Hashem. Number two. Alive. 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 Number two. Alive. Alive. Which had part A was start developing the relationship. Part B, dignity. dignity. Live with the dignity of a married person. And obviously that goes with all the Kabbalistic stuff that happens when you guard your eyes and no loose clicking on the internet and stuff because that just scatters you out, which we'll talk about in a bit. Not the internet, <laughs> but scattering ourselves out. Uh, number three is the P, which stands for private. And and when it comes to zivugim, zivugim are extremely private things. They're very private. You'll never hear someone talk about their intimate relationships, their intimate relationship with their wife or their husband. That's like you could know everything about somebody till there, Adkan. Because intimate relationships are extremely private. And we're living in an age where there's nothing private. Everything's like, post this, post that, post this, post that, post that, post this. And it's like, there's no such thing as privacy. And so, if you're one of those people, develop privacy. I know most of you are observant, so you're pretty private. But develop even more privacy. And really have, have a private world going on. So that you can show Hashem, I'm ready to have the most private thing in the world. There's probably a really good word, than, better word than private. Um, what? Discreet's good. What? Yeah, don't flaunt it. But I mean, I'm saying there's like a fancy word. I think it has three syllables. Anyway, but here's now we're at our trick. How do you marry into the chevra that everyone knows each other? So, and it's not just to answer that. This is this is with anyone you're dating. Is if you find someone that you think you want to marry, don't let anyone see them. Don't let anyone lay eyes on them. Hide it. There are people who are dating from Hebra uh, that we all know. And they came to me and they said, we really want to start dating. And what do we do? And I was like, number one, don't date in Yerushalayim. So, like, take a bus out to Mivaseret. Go down to Talpio. Okay, go to Enyael or something like Get out of town. Don't let anyone see you. And also super important. See, what happens is people are lonely. You don't know if you're going to actually marry this person. And so next thing you know, you're coming to Shabbos tables with them. And it's fun because it's exciting because you're an item. And it's like, hey, guess what? You know, the problem is, is that 
like every lonely person in Jerusalem has just put their eyes all over you. The girls are all pissed off at the at all at the girl, you know, because you know who the hell is she? And the and the guys are all jealous of their friend, you know. And now it's like you ruined it because now it's like everyone's eyes are all over this thing, and everyone knows that ein bracha the blessings dwell on things that are hidden. And we're not asking you to hide it for a long time because it's not like you're going to have a hundred dates. How many dates do you have? You know, three dates, four dates, five dates. How many dates are you going to have? You're not looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You're looking for a spouse. Spouse. When you're looking for a spouse, you get all the information very quickly. When you're looking for a boyfriend or girlfriend, okay, you date forever. But if it's a spouse, you get things done quickly. You see if it's there. And if it's there, so then you tie the knot, and then you announce to everybody. Which is interesting. Secret dating, no secret engagements. Engagements have to be very public. I've actually seen couples break up because they tried to keep the engagement private. Why? Whatever, they, was like, they were waiting until they were going to see their parents in three months or something. and They wanted to tell them in front of them, so they made a secret engagement. <laughs> they broke up. The... You, uh, engagements have to be majorly public. Like, this is it. He's marrying her. She's marrying him. Done. Everyone should get your mitts off of them. And the, uh, but while dating, super, super private, do not show up at Shabbos tables with them. And, um, yeah, you guys got that point? And so you can, one sec, and you can even date people from the Hebra if it turns out like, hey, wow, you know, this all night rave gave me crave, and you decide you'd like to meet in a more serious fashion, so you could actually go to, uh, you know, go out of town and, and meet, and do it like that. Okay. Yes? So maybe you just answered it, but in reference to, let's say, in a, an event where there's the guy and the girl, like, uh, what, is, what is your take on that as far as uh, the interaction? They're just meeting each other at an event? Yeah. That's great. I mean, if they're at a singles event, that's perfect. That's like what it's set up for. Number, uh, by the way, that, that all that discussion was about chevre, like the chevre that that is, you know, our chevre here in Jerusalem. That's that's what I was talking. About. Not talking about being at a singles event, meeting a new person. Uh, but if you do meet that person, take that private. Are you talking a little iron I was talking a little iron Next is the other P. The other P is platonic. And uh, so what do we got so far? We got a H. What was H? A. Alive. P. Private. The other P? Platonic. Now this one, this one, the ladies are going to want to kill me for this one. Um, and it's like this. Men have have very simple relationship needs compared compared to women compared to women men's relationship needs are are, are more uh, maybe objective i don't even know what they are but they they for most men our needs are simpler uh, for women they're they have multispectral needs and i can tell you in marriage gentlemen that your job's to hit as much of her spectrum as possible in the marriage <laughs> Because she's going to get all the needs met. The question is, how, many, how much of the spectrum did you meet and how much are you going to pay for with your credit card? Okay? Because 
because they, they, they will get their needs met. And women have these multispectral needs, and, and it's, you know, obviously every man's very happy that his wife has good friends and stuff because he can't meet all her needs because he's a man. Men have, we just don't have that big a spectrum in our relationship needs. Now here's the thing, this is the tough part, but it comes with a deal. The tough part is this, is that when you, when you pass the regular marriage age, i.e. meaning the community's age, which if you're a Hasidic, it's 22, I guess, or 20. If you're Litvish, 25. I don't know what those ages are. It depends on your community. But when you pass that age, your need for relationship has got to be met. And what, what many women will do is they will pick different men to cover their bases for various things. So you call that man when you got a job. You call that one you, when you got fired. You call this one when you, when you, uh, you know, when your, when your father, you know, wasn't nice to you on the phone. You call that one, and you, it, it, they, what they do is they basically tap different men for different needs. And the men are cool with that, you know. The men are like also could use some relationships, so they're okay. Even though men don't have platonic relationships, but. The, uh, but they're, they're okay to pretend they're having a platonic relationship. The problem with the women is, is that, the problem with the women is that they have, um, they're all tapped out. And they're, meaning they're not, God hates a vacuum. Okay? Did I say God? Nature hates a vacuum. God created nature, so God hates a vacuum. <laughs> nature hates a vacuum. And so our job is to create the vacuum. We create the vacuum and God fills it. So, no, any time our vessel's empty, when we raise our cup, it's an empty cup, and then God fills it with Yeshua's. And so, we need to have ourselves as that empty vessel that God fills. And if I'm all tapped out, because most of my relationship needs are being met by like six different people, so then, you know, what's left... The only thing left is my intimacy. Okay, so I'm missing intimacy, but how big a slice of the pie is intimacy in relationship? Like a tiny, tiny slice. It's not a big slice. It's a sliver. And it's an important sliver. It may even be a frequent sliver. But it is not a big part of your spectrum. Important part, not a big part. And so the person's basically married, but to like six people. <laughs> And so, this is a very harsh one, so that's why I make a deal. Here's the deal. You drop all your platonic relationships for six months, and if this doesn't work to get engaged, then pick them up again. Go right back to them. So you can have a, you can write a tearful WhatsApp to, to whoever the people are that you've been tapped out with. You can write a nice, tear-felt, loving message to six of those people or five of those people, however many they are. And you can say to them, like, I heard a sheer and I'm starting to wonder if perhaps why I'm still single is because I'm basically married to various people all at once. And um, and so I, I wanna I wanna take a break from all those relationships. It's gonna be lonely as heck, but I'm gonna go lonely go on alone for a while. Um, probably about six months eight months, but with the deal that if I don't get engaged within that time, we'll be friends again. And and see what happens with that. And maybe you don't even say you'll be friends again, and maybe you'll have even a bigger segula 
with this. But I know many women who have done this, and many who have succeeded. Some are still within that six months. The others I haven't met. Maybe they're ready to kill me. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, but a lot of us, I'll leave her nameless, but a lot of us know one of them that was, uh, I guess maybe we don't know her all because she was more hanging around Yerushalayim 30 years ago, but she had a lot of guests. And every guest she had was crazy about her, meaning the men. It was mostly men. And every Shabbos, she would have a ton of men over, and they would help her make Shabbos, and it was a whole, a whole scene. And and I was teaching at Eishat Torah at the time, and what would happen was my Eish students would fall in love with her, one after the other. So I would have office hours, and a boy would come in looking all like, lol shooks, Rabbi, I'm in love. And I'm like, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Leah. And he's like, how'd you know? And then I open up the office door, and there's a bench with five boys on it. I'm like, this is my office hours where I talk to boys in love with Leah, the hostess. Anyway, she heard this class, and she was so angry. She wanted to kill me. But, I mean, she was really angry. Nine months later, Nine months later, she's like crying herself to sleep. She's so alone. And she finally says, that's it. I'm going to try it. And that night, late at night, she messaged everyone she knew that she was too close with, or very close with, told them it's over. The next day, her door, someone knocks on her door. It's a Thursday, which is when all the men come over to make Shabbos. And it was a man at her door. He wasn't coming to make Shabbos. He was just coming to find out what time it starts. So she opens her door. There's a guy standing there. He's like, what time? Sh- I heard you host Shabbos. What time Shabbos? She's like, I no longer host Shabbos. She closes the door, knocks on the door again. She opens the door and she's like, what do you want? And he says, well, where should I go? And she's like, I'll set you up with him. Anyway, I get a phone call about three weeks later that she's engaged to this guy. And I made a brach under the chuppah. Yeah. So that I can't expect, I'm not expecting to offer anyone here same day turnaround like that. But, but six months, eight months, choose a time where you're gonna do it and, and put it to the test, create that need. And there's one more thing I wanna say about all this is, um, is that it could be in, <laughs> I know, I like, I can't say anything that's not controversial, so I'm just gonna continue. Um, it could be that you're a bit of a, you've been a negatively influenced by the feminist movement. The feminist movement has something very ironic. There's something very ironic about the feminist movement. You see, the feminist movement, it sounds like it's like rah-rah about females, because, I mean, hence the name feminist, so it sounds like you're into females. Yet the feminist movement, which began originally in the 1950s with women's liberation, and you, you can learn the whole history of it, the whole thing was like, we want to be like men. That does not sound like a celebration of females to me. Wanting to be like men is not a celebration of the feminine. And then they went on to be, until this day, the most powerful people in every industry. Women are totally leading everything. They're leading the university, they're leading law schools, they're leading everything. And, you know, women are are amazing, you know. As Jerry Garcia, the women are smarter, I think he said. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. The women today. It's harder than the main in every way. That's right. 
Anyway, so the so like it, it wasn't exactly celebrating women. And so what I discovered was women really don't like women very much. I mean, they'll have a friend or two, but they don't like women. And they like men. Men are like interesting and exciting, and like they're where it's at, you know. And women are like boring and 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 petty and like whatever, you know. Yeah. No, I'm just talking about this is coming from women who said like the, women who did chuva for. Thinking women were boring and petty, and the men were where it was exciting. And then what happens is, when you do tshuva on that, and you start really celebrating Jewish women, which is what you should be doing, because Jewish women are where it's at. So when you celebrate Jewish women totally, that's like that's the highest is to celebrate Jewish women, because you don't need to have a bunch of men tapping your emotional needs. Jewish women will do the job and much better than men because what what takes five men a, one woman could do. So if you need ten different people tap, that could be two girlfriends that you celebrate and are, and are there for you. This is kind of a strange crowd to be doing this with. I feel like each point I'm giving is like <laughs> barely for you, you know, because I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of women that celebrate. Women, and and I'm also meaning each point is a little crazy, but this is the title of the class. Hopefully, it'll be helpful to some of you. Now, the next is where are we at E. Okay, we did platonic. Now we're doing E. The E is expectations. This is the one where the men want to kill me. Okay, expectations. Now, what happens often for people who, who want to get married, they have this like Santa Claus wish list of who would be the perfect spouse, and it can be quite long of all the things they would like their spouse to be. And I've even seen people who were going to dating programs, and they made them write a long list of everything. And as far as I'm concerned, you should take that list to a well-ventilated area and burn it. You know, because you know what it is, that whole list? You know, first of all, if it's a man's list, ladies, you're going to want to kill the men when I say this. If you take the whole man's list, basically it all boils down to two words. Low maintenance. Low maintenance, which is like really mean. It's really mean, and that's not a relationship. It's not a relationship. Relationships are high maintenance if it's a relationship. All relationships are high maintenance. And so the, the, what the men really are saying is, I'm scared to death that I won't be able to maintain a relationship with a woman because women have high maintenance needs. In the, as I spoke about, it's multi-spectrum. And so men are basically looking for a man to, mar to marry. You know? Low maintenance is a man. Men are low maintenance, but like women are not. And so... What are, you, what are you looking for here? Man, no, you're looking for a woman. Well, women are high maintenance. And, and that's, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And it draws out all kinds of cojos from the man within him to, to do that, to have that relationship with someone who it's, it's a task to maintain all of her needs, 
or as many as, <laughs> as many as you can handle. Now, expectations. So what does that mean, no expectations? And the answer is basically no expectations, but you are allowed three things on your list. Three things. You know what that list is? It's not a wish list. It is a list of deal breakers, non-negotiables. You're allowed three non-negotiables. You shouldn't have non-negotiables, but you, at least you're not allowed more than three non-negotiables. I'll give you some examples of non-negotiables. Uh, raise your hand if uh, you'd consider this a non-negotiable. Actually, don't raise your hand. I'm out of control tonight. Raise your hand if, if you voted for Trump. Um, okay, there are there. Raise your, don't raise your hand. When I went through the airports and asked if I was vaccinated, I said, I identify as vaccinated. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, you're allowed three non-negotiables. So an example of a non-negotiable would be that they keep shops. Would someone agree that would be a non-negotiable for you? But what do you mean? There's all kinds of lovely people who just don't keep Shabbos. But, I mean, have you ever met a couple where one of them keeps Shabbos, the other one doesn't? I've met a few. That's awkward. I mean, that's just weird. And to me, that's a deal breaker, you know? And, um, okay, let's think of another deal breaker. How about this? Uh, one of, let's say you went to university, you got like a master's or a, or a, uh, at least a graduate degree, let's say, and you're not going to marry a high school dropout. Is it, could that be a deal breaker? What do you guys say? Could be. Yeah. Could be. I don't know. I mean, I dropped out of school when I was 11. <laughs> Certainly degrees were not a deal breaker for me, but it might be for other people. How about this? Persians. <laughs> Persians marry Persians. Syrian marrying Syrians. That's true. You know, for most Syrians, that's a deal breaker. Yeah, you marry a Syrian if you're a Syrian. That's a deal breaker. And Persians also, they like to marry Persians. But some of them, it's not a deal breaker. Like, they've already been around the block, and they're like, okay, maybe it was a deal breaker when I was younger, but now it's like, forget about it. I can't afford a Persian. <laughs> and the, so, anyway, the, so the, you can have a couple deal breakers. An example might be uh, trauma from childhood, and there's certain attributes that just are deal breakers. You know that that someone needs someone much more gentle than their father was, or something. So for someone who had a rough father, so anyway, that might be a deal breaker as well. It's interesting with fatal attractions. Fatal attractions are nuts, but like people, you, we all know what those are. I mean, people so often reel in the fish that's their nemesis you know um anyway but that's e and then the last part with the part that the men don't like so much is uh that men are men are constantly being shown images of of some objective version of female um and it's it's hard to avoid that and and especially especially in ones years if they're not married 
gets even harder to avoid it because there's no one really keeping an eye on you anyway. And what happens is it gets harder and harder to see the face of the person you're meant to marry. Because, you know, you have this, some other, some other thing in mind from whatever the media has been putting in front of you as this objective beauty, you know, which oftentimes isn't even a Jewish look. It's not, it's not the look of Sarah Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, and it's, it's not, it's not the, the it's not the imahos. And, and what the Jewish women have that no Gentile women have is, is chen. And chen is like, it's not, it doesn't show up on a camera. Chen is something so deep. And, and that's the beauty of a person. And that's why there's a famous line that every kala is beautiful on her wedding day. Because when 300 people come out to honor you, because it's your special day, you, you start to shine. And that shine is absolutely gorgeous. And we should all shine that way. All of us should shine that way all the time. But certainly on our wedding day, we shine extra beautiful glow. And, but the Jewish, the Jewish people glow like that. Anyway, so a little hint for the men who've been doing that too much is to um, get in front of a mirror and just stare at your face for a while and just give yourself a nice slap and say, Who's supposed to marry a mug like this? Who's supposed to marry a mug like this? And, and uh, it should be a compliment that your friends tell you you look like your spouse. You know, you look. I, I get that a lot. People think my wife and I look alike, which is just I don't see it myself. But people tell us that, and they, it's brought down in Kabbalah that if you look like your spouse, you are siblings in a previous yogul, which is cool. And I totally get that. And my wife definitely have a sibling as well relationship. So, so the um, anyway. So basically, for number five expectations is get off Santa's lap and and get real with meaning get rid of all your expectations. Get rid of your wish list and get real with with um, with both your non-negotiables if you got them. And as little as possible of those, and because that just limits things too much. And the other is to, um, to, I, I guess what I'm really saying is maybe shmir sanayim, and to go, go deeper into who's supposed to marry your face. Who, who is that person that fits in with your face? And lastly is the why. And the why is stands for you. Okay, let's practice all those words. The hey is... Hashem. Come on, everyone. It keeps you all awake. keeps you going. Hashem. The hey, it, the H is... Hashem. The A... Alive. P... Private. P... E... Expectations. Expectations. Y... You. you. You see, whoever you marry is marrying you. <laughs> so, so, you are a work in progress. All of us are works in progress. And we are constantly developing. We're not just human beings, we're human becomings. And we are becoming, and we are becoming, and we are becoming. And as we become, we are kind of moving along this process toward marriage. And so our development, your development, 
putting yourself in the line of fire of someone who can develop you. Most of us can't really do much self-development. Um, I find with YouTube, we can do more these days on our own. But, but, there, but there's nothing like putting yourself in the line of fire of someone who can really, really develop you. And it hurts whenever you put yourself in that situation. It's, first of all, it's awkward, especially if it's a group. It's um, painful because whoever, if someone leads a proper program like that, they're going to take you through the ringer. It's not easy. Um, but it reminds me of the famous line of, of Michelangelo, who was one of the greatest artists of all time, obviously the greatest sculptor, who sculpted the statue of King David in, the, in Florence, Italy. Anyone here saw the David in Florence? I saw David in Florence. You saw it? You saw, you saw David? David Sunday. And um, anyway, when, when they asked him, how did you do it? You had a giant slab of marble. How did you create David out of that rock? And he answered something amazing. He says, he says, he said that David was in there. I just removed what was in the way. There's a certain amount of growth that you do when you're single that you can actually get to a point where you've done so much growth as a single person that there's nothing left to grow except through marriage. Marriage is a serious gauntlet. Marriage is a crucible of growth, like way, way more intense than singlehood. But what you can do in the number six, you, the why, is to show Hashem that I, you're blocking this dude over there that I was, I've been trying to talk to this guy over there, but uh, just go a little this way. Yeah, there he is. Avi. Yeah, Avi's my friend over there. How you doing, Avi? So, now you're blocking that dude. You, you, I only want you to move like 30 inches. There you go. Yeah. I just felt bad because Avi was right behind you. So, hey, hey, hey. So, the, the you is to develop yourself so much that your being single has become obsolete. You heard that? Develop yourself so much that being single has become obsolete. There's no, there's no growth left to do because you've just grown so much that, you know, you're, you, that it's just time. Now, um, I'm just going to do a shameless plug here. Um, as many of you know, I've, uh, I've got a company called Living Inspired. I've been running it for 22 years. And the flagship seminar of Living Inspired is called The Possible You. The Possible You is a very, very intensive seminar. Those of you who did it have no idea what it's like now. Now it's basically like, like an ayahuasca ceremony. Um, not that anyone ingests anything, but it's become like a vibrational tuning where you're, you actually get tuned and while you're vibrating, like everything that's not you just kind of shakes off. And, I mean, it's become a completely different animal than it used to be. Um, I've, I've five, I, things have really taken off in the last year or two, so now there's five centers, like, up and running. As we're speaking right now, there's a group in London. As we're speaking right now, there's a group in Muncie. Next week, I'll be in Lakewood, and then Brooklyn is happening. But here's what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say is that it has not run for women in Jerusalem in I don't know how long, eight years, ten years, something like that. And a lot of people were pretty upset about that. But 
whatever, it wasn't running in Jerusalem. And, and there's now an executive group there of that, you know, sitting in like COO, CFO, different people in those seats. And uh, people in charge of, of like the whole business altogether. I'm not that person. And, um, and they want Jerusalem's Women's Seminar to get started. I just finished a group of 35 men last week. And they want the women's one to get going in Jerusalem for the women here. Um, it's scheduled already. When? And Jerry, is that, where's Jerry? Everyone's on a group? This is people's, or these are, you're not on a group. Well, you can put it, you can put it out. But uh, I'll tell you when it is. <laughs> That's why I'm not in charge. I don't even know when it is. Um, but it's soon, um, like very soon, flyers. It's like next week. Oh, no, I know when it is. I know when it is because I'm flying in. It's starting Motsi Shabbos, and I'm flying in. So I'm going to Lakewood Sunday. You know anyone in Lakewood? Um, I'm flying back Friday, and that's when it starts. So when is it? I'm telling you when it's starting. Next week I'm in Lakewood. The following week is Friday. It's starting on the 22nd of July. I'm flying in the most amazing leader. Her name is Fremi Goldstein, and she is a total powerhouse. I mean, this woman's like... I mean, she just, she just, like, anything that's not you is going to be gone in four days. And this all is during the nine days. Oh, wow. So it leads literally up to Tisha B'Av. It's like, what a great couple days. It's got a lot of meditation. It's got a lot of breath work. And uh, it's intensive breath work and all kinds of various modalities that will be coming at you the whole time. Um, if you'd like to be part of it, so then, um, if you'd like to be there... It's, uh, you should probably be in contact with uh, the, the person managing it. And his number is as follows. So take out your phone, write down this number. Can you post it somewhere? I could post it. It's already been posted over and over again on my... On my... Anyway, but here's the guy's... Here's the number of the person who is... Um, who you can register with. 052... 507-3420. If you've done it in the past, you might want to come again uh, because we have deeper layers of our onion to get to. And there's nothing like having someone take you through it. It's very, very loving. It's very supportive. It's hard. It's not an easy experience. It's extremely loving. Like you've never been held like this in your life. And it's, it's like really, really deeply supportive. And, and, it's, uh, and then it will have ongoing follow-ups afterwards. Um, it's, four, it's four days. It's going to be Motsi Shabbos, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Tisha B'Av is when? Tuesday. Wednesday. Tuesday night. That's Tuesday night. Oh, Wednesday. Yeah, so it's uh, most Shabbos and the Monday Tuesday. Um, so I think maybe it's Ashkocha Protis that you women are here. You're worth it, you know. You're, you are worth it. And you're the product in the end. So whatever, whatever it is, whatever you have to go through to do it, in the end you get you in such a beautiful way. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.